0: Welcome back, everybody. Did you know that ancient Rome had a trans emperor named Elagabalus? Look it up. This is queer halftime. I
1: just blew Kelsey's mind. I'm gonna Google that right now, actually. (laughs) Sorry, pause. I'm not going to, but I will after this.
0: (laughs) It's all good. Yeah, it was really interesting. I fell down a rabbit hole of like, looking up historical trans figures.
1: That is... So interesting because everybody, I think, thinks that people in this community are brand new. And like, we were never here until we had the language to say we were here. And it's like, we were here. Oh yeah. And we were queer.
0: Yes, this emperor was about 2000 years ago. Um, There are graves from almost 5,000 years ago that indicate that the individual buried there is trans. Um, Like there'll be a male skeleton with, like feminine clothing and feminine grave goods which for anybody who doesn't know what grave goods is it's just whatever you're buried with So like a warrior's grave goods might be like their weapons or things like that um but yeah there are literally every part of the world has a history of trans people going back you know thousands of years like and south america all over asia africa europe the oceanic region like
1: yeah so what you're saying is they were here long before Canada was Canada.
0: They've always been here. Wow.
1: There's a book called We've Always Been Here, and it's about queer individuals um, in the Muslim community. Ooh. And it's like, oh, it's so good. It's a beautiful, beautiful book.
0: Yeah. Anyway, I'm Becca. Uh, my pronouns are she and they. Uh, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Kelsey. Also use she, they pronouns and hello, everybody. Awesome. So now that I've uh, divulged my new favorite fact, uh, (laughs) we're going to dive in with our concept of the week. We kind of mentioned it very briefly last week and didn't really explain it. Um, So uh, this concept is lateral violence. So Kelsey, do you want to define it or shall I? I'll let you take this one. (laughs) Okay. Good with definitions. You're the word whiz. All good. So lateral violence is basically when members of a marginalized community direct their anger towards their peers and other marginalized people, rather than at the systems or people that are oppressing Mm -hmm. them. And this can be because of intergenerational trauma, um, bigotry towards different sexualities and genders, things like that. So a really kind of common occurrence we see in the queer community is you know, the phenomenon of the turf, (laughs) which for those of you who don't know, a trans exclusionary radical feminist, there's nothing feminist about them. Mm -hmm. Um, But they basically, you know, think trans people are predatory and all kinds of awful things, right? And so that's a good example of lateral violence of two people who belong to similar marginalized groups. uh, And one of them is directing their anger towards this other person rather than at the system that's, you know, oppressing them
1: that's so interesting I think about that and like I think about how oftentimes we're in positions with other members of other marginalized communities and sometimes if you're a member of the queer community you experience homophobia from other members of the queer community or you'll experience it from members of the newcomer community or members of different colored communities right so like it's interesting because I think that everybody kind of thinks and like people think that about me too right they're like oh well you're gay you're queer so like you must be woke and it's like "Mm, no Um, I still (laughs) I don't speak for every marginalized community like I don't have any oppression because of the color of my skin or the way Mm -hmm. I grew up or the amount of money I have like my only oppression is because I'm a queer individual so I can't say I know what it's like to be Black today, like,
0: because I don't. (laughs) Exactly. Like, just because you're oppressed in one way does not mean you understand all forms of oppression. Um, For instance, you know, gay men can be sexist. People of color can take part in colorism, Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. Um, And that kind of leads into what we're talking about today, about, you know, us not being perfect. Um, And we're talking about uh, performative allyship. Um, And just kind of a disclaimer, like I can't speak for Kelsey, but I am not a perfect advocate. I'm not a perfect ally. I have fallen into performative allyship before. It's something I am constantly checking myself on. Kelsey is nodding. I assume they agree. (laughs) I do. Basically, performative allyship is kind of talking the talk without walking the walk. It can be things like giving up when things get hard. It can be centering yourself rather than the marginalized community that you're supposedly advocating for. Um, It can be a way to kind of avoid scrutiny from other people or to avoid scrutinizing your own beliefs and behaviors. Um, And I find it comes from a misunderstanding of allyship. Um, People thinking that allyship means being nice to marginalized people when actually it means using your privilege to dismantle oppressive structures that are harming them. Totally.
1: Totally. It's interesting because I think of that a lot during Pride Month and like yeah. one of my favorite words during Pride Month is rainbow capitalism and I feel like I am a rainbow capitalist myself because yes I go out and I buy all of the rainbow things. I am a, a victim of rainbow <laughs> capitalism, but you see it in so many stores and so many places in June specifically where they'll put up their pride flag or they'll donate of their proceeds to your local gay or like they'll do whatever but then every other month of the year you walk in there and you're kind of looked at with a weird face if you're dressed a little bit different or like if I walk in holding my partner's hand to a place that's kind of throwing rainbows everywhere in June I expect that to be a safe place for me to go into which I guess is like kind of the damages of performative allyship right
0: yeah and like you know, some of these companies that throw around rainbows and have floats in the parade and everything, the other 11 months will like actively discriminate against queer employees, you know, not allow benefits for same sex couples, like all kinds of stuff. And I've been noticing it a lot this month uh, because it's Black History Month. And you know, like Bath and Body Works has like a Black History Month collection. And I saw something on like Microsoft, there's like a PowerPoint template or something. I'm like, okay, let's talk about this. Yeah. Or how many people of color are at the top of your organization? That exactly. is what I want to know. Post that. Yeah. So for a lot of people, performative allyship is ticking a box. Right. A really good example was um, during the Black Lives Matter protests a couple of years ago, after the George Floyd murder, and everybody was posting those black squares on their Instagram um and some of it was people who had never talked about race before who some of them I knew were racist <laughs> themselves and they were just posting these black squares and some of them actually tagging them with black lives matter which drowned out the hashtag where people were trying to post important protest information um so it actually ended up being detrimental so it's yeah it's ticking a box and not understanding what you're actually trying to accomplish yeah.
1: Like oh, I think about those black squares all the time. I think about them because they flooded my news oh, yeah. And then in that same time frame, the same people that were posting the black squares were too busy to actually go to downtown Edmonton and you know, stand up or stand between the police and the people of color. Like mm-hmm. everybody was too busy. Like you're not too busy to post on social media, but you're too busy to actually do anything about it. Right. And that's where things get dangerous. Like
0: that's, that's not safe for people
1: like of any community.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's not saying that, you know, you have to go down to every March. There are some people who legitimately can't do that. Like I have some sensory issues and cannot, I don't do well in crowds, but I had a little extra money at the time that I gave to one of the legal funds. Um, for protesters who are arrested, right? So there are a lot of different ways that you can kind of, you know, walk the talk, Mm -hmm. (laughs) walk the walk, I mean. (laughs) Um, So another kind of way that allyship can be performative is making your support contingent on certain things. So one thing I notice a lot with the support of trans people is it's contingent on them passing and being like, conventionally attractive Mm -hmm. it's like no people don't have to pass you know when it comes to their gender they don't owe you anything and you should still be supportive totally you think of
1: like mm, uh, i always i'd like to put a disclaimer here but if you're listening to this podcast i'm really sure that you are like i hope that you realize that we're not trying to offend you personally but i am going to address white 20-something men for a brief minute. And I am going to tell you that my partner, who appears a little bit more masculine than me, because I don't like the word butch a ton, um, but she appears a little bit more towards the masculine world. She identifies as a woman, Link is uses she, her pronouns, is very much a woman she has an easier time walking through the mall than I do, right? Because like people are like, she's gay enough. Like I won't bother her because she's gay enough. But like people look at anybody with long hair and like for a lot, like I fluctuate between wearing eyeliner and not wearing eyeliner. That is literally the extent of my makeup. And sometimes when I have eyeliner on people are like, mm-hmm, I'm going to ask her out. And it's like people, no, no. Like, and I'm this whole not gay enough. Like, it's like, you don't, You can't say that about people because you know what? You're not gay enough. (laughs) Not you, Becca, but like
0: the people that are. Oh, no, I know. For those of you who aren't watching the video, Kelsey just crossed her arms really petulantly. Yeah. (laughs) It was very (laughs) funny. Uh, But yeah, another one of these kind of contingent support things that I notice a lot is tone policing, especially with women of color. Um, like you think of the angry black woman or, you know, people will be protesting or advocating and some usually white, uh, person will come up and be like, I totally agree with you, but you know, you're going about it the wrong way. You should be nicer. You should be politer. you should be all these things.
1: Stop damaging the property.
0: <laughs> That's
1: what I hear, right? That's what you hear from people that aren't there. Like, I get it, but why do they have to ruin things?
0: Yeah. First of all, they've tried the peaceful routes. It didn't work. Secondly, in like such an intrinsically capitalist society, destroying capital is actually a profound form of protest in my mind. Like in a system that puts materials over you. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah. Marginalized people don't, owe you a certain type of behavior or a certain look um, in order to be supported. Another thing is they don't owe you education. Mm-hmm. Like, and this is especially, i notice noticed a lot with people of color are usually expected to educate white people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, white people will come with these seemingly good faith questions. A lot of times they aren't. Um, you know, asking for all this emotional labor and all this stuff. And they get really offended. And some of them even cry reverse racism when the, you know, racialized person is like, no, that's not my job. You can Google things. (laughs) Like you can follow different creators of color on Instagram and TikTok. Like you, there's all these different avenues for you to learn. Mm -hmm. And like, it's okay to ask people, especially if you know them, like it's okay if a straight friend came up to me and asked, but You can't get angry and offended if I don't have the emotional energy to put into educating you.
1: Yeah, especially after outside of the eight to five, like for us specifically, we kind of do education a little bit as our job. And like we tell everybody eight to five, eight thirty to four thirty you ask me whatever question you want that's totally fine but the second i leave my office and i clock out i am no longer getting paid to educate you so you can't expect me to educate you right it's like i'll do the work if i'm getting paid and i feel like like there are so many organizations that are run by marginalized communities and that are supported by marginalized communities that want to do this work right they want to do the education so kind of like relying on your best friend because you don't want to send an Instagram message to somebody that you're worried you might offend it is like not, mm-hmm. that's not the way to do it. Right. Like sometimes you have to make yourself uncomfortable to support and get the information that you need.
0: Yeah. And I mean, sometimes you don't even have to message them. Like honestly, just watching their videos or like reading their posts can be so incredibly informative and totally. introduce you to a perspective that you've never seen before. Hmm. Totally. Totally. I think another facet of it that I've noticed is kind of like we talked about a misunderstanding of the concept itself. So I noticed this a lot Mm -hmm. in the 2016, the run-up to the 2016 election in the States, where everybody was, uh, if you're a feminist, you vote for Hillary Clinton. (laughs) It's like, this might be controversial, but the actual feminist choice was Bernie Sanders. Like. (laughs) Just because she's a woman does not make her a feminist.
1: I didn't even know that happened to be honest I don't pay a ton of attention or I didn't pay a ton of attention to American politics at the time but that's interesting.
0: Oh yeah see I find politics really fascinating Mm -hmm. so I'm I'm one of those weird nerds who like watches like (laughs) listens to the news in other countries.
1: (laughs) I love that for you. I bet you're a lot of
0: fun at parties. I am actually. I believe it. Because I know all kinds of weird facts. Mm -hmm. Like those are the types of parties I want to be at. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. So there was actually like this phenomenon of journalists being confused why young women weren't going for Hillary Clinton. And there was actually Gloria Steinem got in a lot of trouble because she made a comment about all, all these young women are voting for Bernie because that's where the boys are. Yeah. Gloria Steinem, famous feminist, like.
1: <laughs> I wish I had a response to that, but I really, really don't.
0: Yeah. One of these people has a decades long record of voting in support of reproductive rights and same sex marriage and mar- like, got arrested in civil rights marches. And the other <laughs> supported her husband's like. <laughs> Repealing of a lot of welfare stuff that disproportionately affected like Black mothers mm-hmm. and <laughs> supported military actions that made life worse for women all over the world. It's like, sure, she's the feminist choice. Yeah. But yes, there's this misunderstanding of like this very surface level, oh, the woman must be the feminist mm-hmm. choice. Or like, oh, the person of color is the, the anti racist choice. Mm-hmm. Right. Like people see, it's like a tokenization thing, right? They see one woman or one person of color or one disabled person or, you know, one chronically ill person. And they're like, see, that's the good choice there. There we go. Done. I don't have to do any work.
1: That one person represents, yeah, that one person represents absolutely
0: everybody oh, in yeah. the community probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. Oh, and also like, when the, it, your allyship does not stop, when there are no marginalized people around to hear you, right? Just because there are the trans person you know isn't around doesn't mean you can dead name them and use their old pronouns, right? Like just because you're at an all white family Thanksgiving doesn't mean you shouldn't call out your uncle for being racist. Like they're,
1: yeah. And one of the things that I think that it's important to like note about this it's like we say that. But if you're like, and I think about this all the time. So I, as a white person, one thing I will call out in family dinners is racism. One thing I won't call out necessarily in family dinners would be something like homophobia, right? Because if you are a member of one of these communities, sometimes it's okay to not say something to keep yourself safe, right? Sometimes it's okay not to do the work. The thing is when you're not a member of one of these communities and you're keeping your mouth shut in situations where there are people around and even not people around that could hear or catch the vibe of what is being said, right? Like I'm not going to walk into Applebee's, which we don't even have in Canada, but I'm not going to walk into Applebee's and be like, viva la gaze. like, because that's going to put me in a really awkward position. But if I were to be in an Applebee's and see somebody getting discriminated against because of their color, I have privilege in that area and that's where I will stand up, right? So we're not saying like, hey, be perfect, fight every single battle, but like if you're not marginalized in any way and you're not fighting anything, then that's where things get performative. If you're coming to pride as a straight individual, a member of the cisgender community, and you're wearing your rainbows and you're marching with your friends, but then your friends your gay friend doesn't feel safe with you, that's not allyship. Like, and this is something I'm so passionate about because I happened to end a friendship a couple of years ago with this group of girls that used to love going to Pride with me and my partner, and they would come constantly. And it was like a big thing. We were the gay best friends. Everybody loved us. And then I was in a situation where I decided to play on one of their softball teams. And they, like... (laughs) The boys on the team went on this big rant at me one day when they were drinking about how they were going to turn me gay, whether I liked it or not. Oh, turn you and straight. I just hadn't had the right dick yet. And they were going to make sure I had got it. Like, oh, turn me straight. Sorry, not gay. Yeah. And like, like basically borderline saying they were going to assault me. And none of these girls said a word. And in that moment, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like it's cool that you want to come to pride but like you don't you don't get it right and like that's when i realized like my safety was in jeopardy and i had to remove myself from mm-hmm. that friend group because they weren't people that were going to stand up for me if somebody was harassing me or even assaulting me because of my sexuality right so like it's something that people think is just like it's the whole oh i have a best fr- a gay best friend so like i'm not homophobic or ooh my daughter is queer so like i'm an ally it's like that's not what that means like
0: <laughs> yeah my other favorite phenomenon that i see a lot is you'll get these women who are like super progressive and totally awesome and then they'll have this male partner <laughs> who, like is very very right wing and just says all kinds of problematic crap and then this woman won't say anything. I'm like, okay, we got some, some analyzing to do some self-analysis. And that's exactly it. Right. Like if you're not standing up in the
1: space that you're supposed to be safe to stand up, which is your house and your relationship, then like,
0: I have some worries about how willing you are to advocate for me outside of that. Yeah. And like, I hear a lot of people say you can't end a friendship over politics. I'm like, first off I've ended friendships over less. (laughs) Mm -hmm. but secondly a lot of times what they're calling politics is actually human rights right politics is should we levy another school tax or should we put an extra five percent into infrastructure instead of building this thing this year right that's politics you know do black people deserve to be safe is not politics like it's not political yeah (laughs) like it's it's human rights it's basic human rights so you can absolutely end relationships over that and not feel guilty. That's fine.
1: You can end relationships over whatever you want and not feel
0: guilty. People come and go. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) We love to cut people. Oh yeah. I'm the queen of cutting people out for no reason. It's great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, sometimes you're just like the vibe isn't here. So I'm just going to. Yes. Me sitting here with my total of four friends and Becca (laughs) because everyone else has been cut.
0: (laughs) Oh yes. You're counted among one of my handfuls of friends right well yeah
1: five friends if I count you in the handful
0: yeah there you go (laughs) (laughs) and like you can use your privilege in a lot of different ways my favorite thing is like looking at the difference between my brother using his privilege and like my mom and aunties because my brother like I don't know how to say this without swearing so I'm going to use my one because Kelsey has sworn a couple times in previous episodes but my brother is built like a brick shit house like The boy's a boxer. He can look very intimidating. And he is also the champion of the proletariat. If somebody is like bullying a retail worker, like my brother will put on his intimidating face and step in and be like, you're going to stop that now. Right. Whereas my mom and aunties are these small little white women who are very non-threatening, but like they will, if You know a white man is getting aggressive at somebody they will literally stand in front of him like in between him and whatever the object of his anger is and if he's younger like he'll usually defer to them like not only does it diffuse the situation but if he's young suddenly it'll be like yes ma'am sorry ma'am never again ma'am like oh my god (laughs) because there there are these tiny little older white women who are very non-threatening but who have like the teacher voice or the mom voice or whatever. And yeah, if it's a young white guy, like, like, I'm very sorry, man.
1: That's so interesting.
0: So there's different things you can do, right? Everybody's got their strengths. Like, you know, I'm not very big. I'm not going to go up to some like huge hulking guy and try to fight him. Like that would end poorly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So everybody's got their own kind of strengths and way that they can advocate and be an ally. And you just totally. have to find that.
1: Yeah. And do it in a way that is sustainable so that you're not performative, right? So that every single time th- that you go to do it, you're not like, oh, dear God, here I go again. Like, find <laughs> what works for you and what doesn't. Like, some things, like anxiety, social struggles, like, there's so many reasons why you might not feel like you can stand up in a situation. Like, I went to a training once with a friend of ours, um, that basically was like in a room, like what, basically what I said was sometimes I'm driving with my mom in the car and she makes like just really off the cuff racist comments. And I'm like, Oh dear. Right. And like, not my mom, but like, this is the example that I'm using. And, um, and this friend of ours was like, well, when you're in the car with one other person there's and there's nobody around, if that's not the moment that you have the energy to stand up, don't use your energy there. Use it when, you know, there are a lot of people. Use it when there's a kid. Use it when you're in the mall and, like, somebody might be overhearing that because the damage with remarks and stuff like this is that you don't know who's listening, right? Like, making a racist comment is absolutely awful, but like making a racist comment in a room of white people (laughs) is not as damaging. And it's making a racist comment in the room of black people. Right. So it's like, if I'm in a room of all of my colleagues and they're all white and somebody says something that's racist, I'm going to stand up. Absolutely. But I'm going to approach it in a different way than I would if there were tiny kids around that Mm -hmm. are learning from this. And that's where I'm going to, it's not, it's not an opportunity for learning anymore because there are children in the room, you're jeopardizing people's safety. And like, there are certain things that are opportunities for learning and there are certain things that are just not acceptable. And it's like knowing that balance, right? Like what is well-intentioned and what is not because some people just Mm -hmm. aren't well-intentioned.
0: Yeah. And sometimes like it can, you know, people will take silence as agreement, right? If you get, you know, a group of university guys. And one of them makes a joke about sexual assault. The rest of them laugh. And there's one person in that group who has sexually assaulted someone. They're like, oh, my buddies agree with me. What I did is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. Right. But yeah, if there are kids around, holy cow, please say something. Yeah. And that's the thing.
1: Like, Keep yourself safe, but also realize that your safety sometimes comes at the expense of other people. Yeah. Like, and their safety. And that's like, you got to get uncomfortable. You got to get uncomfortable. It sucks. But people that walk around as pe- members of marginalized communities every single day, we're uncomfortable every single day. Like, get used to it.
0: Oh, yeah. And like, it can be really uncomfortable and hard. Like, any of my family says stuff i will stand up no hesitation my grandma mm-hmm. on the other hand has gotten away with some stuff in the past now i've gotten a lot better at um you know pushing back and trying to educate her but there's been in the past mm-hmm. i'm like but it's my grandma <laughs> right and, and it's a
1: different generation
0: yeah right like the southern alberta yeah. farm wife like She just never stood a chance. I know, but she's actually, you know, she's trying. It's a long road and it's had some hard conversations, but you know, it's, it has to
1: happen. Yeah. And one of the things that we always like to talk about is like, give people some credit, right? Like a lot of times we kind of assume that the older generation in particular is like, I don't get the gays or like, like you're not going to tell them because it's just not worth it. But like, Give people credit.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, we assume all old people to be racist. But like, you know, who do you think were the white allies marching in the civil rights movement? Like, they're your grandparents now, mm-hmm. right? Like, they're always been allies to varying degrees. Totally. And
1: that's, yeah, well, exactly. And people become allies in interesting ways, right? A lot of time, it's education. A lot of time it's exposure. A lot of time it's getting people outside of their bubble, which if you're in a bubble, I grew up in a very small bubble in a very, very small town. I did not know anything that happened outside of that bubble. And if you don't leave that bubble... And people, like some people leave and that's totally cool, but some people can't, right? Like some people are so attached to the community they've grown up in. Like they just, a lot of times don't have opportunities to learn. And yes, they should be going out and looking for those opportunities. Absolutely. But if you have, if you can help them with that, like learning is a journey you go through with other people.
0: Yeah, that's honestly one of the biggest ways I define an ally is someone who's willing to constantly learn and question their internal biases and who doesn't get offended when corrected because the Mm -hmm. worst thing in the world is I've seen it when like my old roommate misgendered a friend of ours and the friend corrected them and the roommate burst into tears because she felt attacked and suddenly it was all about her and her discomfort. I know it was disgusting. Mm. Yeah. So take, um, criticism with grace.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like sometimes we are not trying to be rude, but you know, like the, the, the reference that I always think of when it comes to individuals that identify as transgender is like, They could have been misgendered 114 times that day, and you might be the 115th, and that might just be the straw that breaks the camel's back, right? So like, yeah, take it with a grain of salt, because most people aren't attacking you because of something like that. Like,
0: Yeah, and like, if you're listening to this, and you've recognized yourself in some of the stuff we've been talking about, that does not make you a bad person, right? Just use it as an opportunity to learn. Like I said, I have fallen into performative activism and allyship. And before I was an ally, like I also grew up in a bubble and I said some crap that I regret and that I would never say no. Right. So we're all just learning and trying to grow and trying to be better and to make the world a better place.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Don't expect, like if you see me in public, if you live in the Edmonton area, St. Albert area, and like there's some gay discrimination going on don't expect me to jump up and be like huzzah like here I am to save the day right like it's like yeah like I'm not perfect either I am scared of a specific community specifically the white man Mm -hmm. community um I have a very hard time with them so when I when I stand up I am more likely to stand up to a woman or gender non-conforming individual that I am a cis white man right for my own because of my own trauma Mm. so like we all have our weaknesses and that's okay it's knowing that they're there and then finding where you can do something
0: absolutely like I said a lot of performative allyship is a way to avoid scrutiny right and a way to avoid looking at your own internal biases and beliefs Um, and that's something that we all have to look at and analyze and not yes. expect a pat on the back from marginalized people for doing so. Exactly,
1: oh, I love that.
0: Yeah, so that's that's my rant
1: <laughs> for the week. I mean, yeah, like this is like a pre-Pride month episode because I'm sure we'll talk about rainbow capitalism in June.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but like, yeah, like this, I think this is such a good starting point because I think it just draws attention to some things that people might do that they're just not aware of. Like we're always constantly learning.
0: Oh yeah. It's like those, um, like the Facebook things that you can add to your profile picture whenever something happens. And like, I've seen so many people that add those and have no idea what's yeah. going on. And I'm like, this is meaningless. Yeah. Yeah. Like at least know what you're talking about. Like at least, at least look in and look into what, what's and going what on the
1: purpose of that image is like,
0: Yeah, is it enhancing
1: donations to something, or is it just making Facebook look good because they're? Yeah, is it checking a box or? Totally, that's why. Like, I don't ever put those image things around my Facebook profile because I normally will be like, I wonder what Facebook is actually doing for this, and a lot of times it's not a lot.
0: So, I also just don't really do anything on Facebook. Very true. But Instagram, I'll try to share sources and like, yeah, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to try and always be doing better. Yeah. Anyway, do you want to, like, I'm dying to talk about my queer joy. Do it.
1: Do it. Queer joy.
0: I, (laughs) I told Kelsey this already this week, but I listened to The Daily, which is like a New York Times daily podcast. And they had an interview with the birds aren't real guy. And like he broke character and talked about it. It's like, it's a thing. Like I thought Kelsey was just full of crap. (laughs) But it's a thing. People
1: often think that about me. People often think that I don't know what I'm talking about, but I do read things sometimes.
0: Yeah. And it turns out it's like an absurdist form of counter protest. And it's a way for like, People, especially young people who would otherwise be drawn into darker conspiracies to like find a community like it's yeah yeah so I thought that was really interesting
1: yes that thrills me on so many levels (laughs) because I know people listen to me talk about this birds are real thing and nobody ever researches it I have this one friend it's my friend's boyfriend that all he's he's behind me he gets me But nobody ever looks into it. So nobody actually like thinks that what I'm talking about is like actually a thing. But I'm like, I still like, it's a thing. And like, you want some really, really good like
0: shirts. Oh, their merch is so cool. If I had money. Oh my gosh. I mean, I still, birds are very much real, but the shirts are cool.
1: That's the point is that we're not talking about
0: them not being real. That's not actually. Yeah. It was started to combat like misinformation and stuff like that. Oh,
1: Oh, that thrills me. I
0: feel validated. (laughs) So yeah, that's my queer joy. What's yours?
1: Oh gosh. What is mine? I was like, kind of like tossing a few things around. Um, one of my, I have like a lot of tiny queer joys. Um, one of mine is that I watched this really phenomenal, um, video of this Australian politician going on. I don't know if you've seen this Becca. Um, But basically they were trying to pass a law in Australia that had a religious basis that basically made school an unsafe place for queer and trans kids. Um, And this politician kind of stepped up and he kiboshed the whole thing. Um, It was rejected because of his six minute speech on his gay son and like his gender non-conforming kiddo and nephew and how his nephew had just taken his life. And it was like, it was sad. If you do I get to watch it, I would recommend it, but I would brace yourself because it is sad. But I think that it was the first time that I've ever actually seen something blow up on a global scale like this, where a politician has been like, you need to stop what you're doing right now because I have tangible, like this; these people are at risk And like, I respect this community and my son is amazing because he goes against the tide every single day. And like, you're pushing these kids to like hurt themselves. And it was just like a really, like, it was really cool because he is a white cisgender man, like reminds me of like a lot of my friends' dads. And it was really, just really, really cool to see that like somebody is actually like standing up and freaking saying something. It's so important and especially for politicians. And his name is Stephen Jones and he is freaking phenomenal. Like it was just, it was really cool. I was watching it this morning and it was like a really, really moving thing. And I would highly recommend it to anybody. So that's like my big queer joy. Um, My other queer joy is that um, somebody from the library, the lovely Stephanie came in and brought me a coffee today, which was lovely. Um, came to visit me at out loud but also this cookie
0: that's gonna that kink crinkling is gonna sound great in the microphone Kelsey (laughs) I'm
1: so sorry I but anyways it's a heart-shaped sugar cookie I'm like you know sometimes nothing is better than a coffee and a cookie in the morning when you don't have to pay for yourself so like two focuses on queer joy this week
0: politics and cookies yeah if we're if we're doing two give me another one then to all the kids in our junior and youth groups i finally watched Encanto. oh my gosh we're
1: gonna start like a play group like we're gonna act it on stage somewhere yeah the kids
0: love i mean the kids were singing the songs in groups okay so. so
1: now i have to ask what was your
0: opinion it was it was beautiful and i cried like that scene when they're sitting by the river and i'm like yeah i cried for those right. of you who don't know, it's a beautiful story about healing intergenerational trauma. Um, there's also this one song that I'm obsessed with by The Oldest Sister. That's about yeah, like the pressure of being the eldest child and especially the eldest daughter. And I related to parts of it so hard as like an eldest daughter slash child. Like mm-hmm. I was like, oh, <laughs> it was just,
1: oh, it's such a cool movie because it has so many cool like different personalities on it with their own little struggles and like I love movies like that that like there is no actual tangible villain like you know what I mean like yeah no the villain is trauma
0: guy.
1: yeah so oh yeah it was so good yeah it was really good
0: <laughs> <laughs> amazing so now all of our kiddos can stop bugging me about watching Encanto because I did and it was great you yeah. were right it was wonderful see birds aren't
1: real encanto like, I only give you good information. You can trust everything. I right?
0: Everything. <laughs> everything. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> thank you so much, everybody, for being here. Thank you, Kelsey, for uh, giving us the suggestion for today's rant. Uh, be kind to yourself and others, and we will see you next week.
1: Bye.
0: Bye.